Welcome to CMMS Radio, a podcast and general resource for all things CMMS, computerized maintenance management software, from selection to implementation to help you make better choices and have a successful CMMS journey. We'll bring in experts along the way to help us learn more about CMMS, facilities operations, and much more. If you need help with the CMMS project, send a message at cmmsradio.com using the What's On Your Mind link. Suggest a topic, share your CMMS story, or ask questions. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Today, we are joined again by Brian Bieski. And if you recall from a previous episode, Brian is a certified maintenance and reliability professional. He has a very comprehensive understanding of fundamental excellence when it comes to maintenance and reliability best practices and then some. Welcome back to the show, Brian. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Greg. I'm glad we're back and we can uh, address some things that we've been wanting to address. So uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be good. Yeah, for sure. And the whole concept here for everybody that's listening and some of you that are watching, you know, Brian and I have talked about a few different things. We've done at least one collaboration. And the whole idea here was let's get a poll out there. So I sent one out back in March. It was the latter part of March and we got some responses. I'll give you a general idea of what the poll was all about. It was really what are your burning questions or the topics you want to see talked about when it comes to CMMS, computerized maintenance management. And that plays big when we talk about maintenance and reliability. Some of those questions or options on the poll were CMMS, keep it simple or go big. We got 20% voting for that. Fixing CMMS failure to launch. We got 40% response on that. I'm not surprised because that happens all the time. We got improving CMMS user adoption. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And in the category of other, we got some really nice responses. So I'm going to start there if that's okay with you, Brian. Yeah, roll with it. So one of the first responses we got, and Brian, thanks for resharing that. It was somebody that you know, and that is Jim Vantigem. And he's senior support manager, uh, CI group at Associated Materials Gentech Building Products. And What he said was, great share, Brian. For me, a great topic of discussion would be centered around the mindset of a maintenance tech and or maintenance department as a whole. How much has the behavior mindset changed over the past several decades or has it changed at all? So what we're really doing here is going into something that Jim wanted us to explore and really kind of put out there. I know, Brian, you love the doers, the wrench turners. So let's talk about that. So first, I want to say Jim Van Tigum is an awesome dude. I do know him. I've been on other uh, podcasts with him. Uh, he is a wealth of knowledge. Um, he's probably testing me uh, with this question. Uh, but uh, it, Jim is awesome. If you, if you don't know Jim, please reach out to him on, on LinkedIn. He's, he's an awesome dude, wealth of knowledge, CMMS. He was a mechanic himself. He's been a doer his whole life. Um, and and, and I'm, I'm glad to call him a friend. Um, so Jim, for you, I think that... I've been called an old soul in my life because I did cherish the the work right in the beginning uh, from a maintenance technician standpoint, I was very involved in wanting to do the work. And and I worked alongside people that were similar to my age that wanted to do the work. And I also worked alongside people who were twice my age who had been doing the work. Um, And then I get into leadership where I'm now leading the people who are doing the work. And I can't say that all of them to your question are interested in doing the work as much as I was interested in doing the work. Um, And I think that that comes from 
a systemic culture in which they are brought up within their maintenance organization. So uh, if you're from what we call, and you'll know this, what is um, the type one leadership, which is like command and control. If you have someone that's work you're working for that is just interested in uh, self-promotion, telling you what to do, undermining you, micromanaging, well, your culture and your ability to want to grow and, and drive and further your understanding is probably going to slow down a little bit, right? Because you have this, this cloud over you, and if you will, in a sense, right? Um, and that can be in the past and then even today. Um, but people get in their ways and the culture dictates, the environment generally dictates that for, for each individual. Um, and it takes leaders like us, you and people we know to get in there and go, tear all that stuff off them and say, look, we hire smart, competent people because you know what you're doing. It would be counterintuitive for us to hire smart, competent people and then tell them what to do. Um, so, so I think that there is a slight change. I will say this, that um, the work ethic of the people that I know that are of a much higher age than me that work in my departments, it's very different. Um, they're, they're a little more invested in, in what's going on. Don't hear me say that people my age and younger are not vested because they are, but it is something that is recognizable. Uh, and then we, as we move into younger than me and, and, and some of my generation, it does kind of shift a bit where it gets more into the, how can I go fast? How can I, how can I jump levels? How can I get to where I want to be very, very quickly uh, as opposed to doing all the work and the natural progression and steps to get myself to that? They want to, and, and I'm, I'm guilty of it too, wanting to jump, <laughs> wanted to jump the line a little bit, right? As we make advances in our understanding. Um, but I mean, I believe that there is some, there's some difference, but I think it's like an overlap, you know, like uh, one scale blends into the other as the, as the generational changes come together. But uh, yeah, great question. And, and I will say this, that the way that you can get beyond those things is of course, building trust with the team, get out there, do the work with them. If you can't do the work, be a support for them in doing the work. Remove roadblocks out of their way so that they can be the expert and do the work um, and, and just constantly build trust, garner trust, um, and get things out of the way for growth. So that was my question. Please, Jim, hit me up and let me know how I did because uh, you're, uh, you're definitely someone I look up to in this space. So I appreciate well, the question. And uh, I really like the answer. It reminds me of some of the things that you and I talked about in the past, Brian. You know, these these ideas behind how we, we really kind of empower people. We're here to facilitate if we're in a leadership role, if you're part of that team, maybe you're mid-level or, or, or anything else for that matter, when the roadblocks are cleared or you present a challenge and somebody has an intention behind trying to solve that challenge for you so that you can keep, in a sense, running and gunning, slinging the wrenches, getting stuff done, that's what leadership really needs to be doing. And they get caught up in their own things as well, because they've got a job to do. So I really like that answer. Now, one of the things that Jim added to his question was about accomplishing tasks versus getting people to accomplish required tasks, not being as easy as it sounds, right? So um, the, the less spoken topic about the maintenance mindset, you know, that he considers to be a little bit taboo, where we're really calling it out. So what you're really talking about is culture feeds into or actually allows for those behaviors that are a bit more productive, efficient. There aren't shortcuts. 
it's this concept you mentioned previously on on our last episode where fundamental excellence comes from these basics that people do extremely well. So is that a pretty good way to summarize where the rubber is going to meet the road when you're trying to empower those teams and get them to do further adoption on their CMMS platforms or otherwise? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, you'll, you'll hear me say it all the time is, is going back to the, the things that keep the wheels on, as you would say. Right. And, you know, to Jim's point, and I think we've talked about him and I have talked about this in the past is like, and I think it was his analogy, right. Is a, a machine or a person is under stress, right? It's under applied stress. Um, and we can either help that stress get bigger and more and worse, or we can help start to reduce that stress, right? It's, I think he called it the applied stress of something. He, he's smarter than me. He'll, 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 I'm sure he'll, he'll respond, but, um, but, uh, yeah. So we, we have to, we have to be thinking about how we can, unchain not just the, the hands of a technician doing the work, but the mind as well, and ensure that they are psychologically safe, they feel comfortable, um, and, and just let them do the work. I, I, I just want to keep it as simple as that. And, and of course, right, I mean, everyone is going to have individual scenarios that are not this cut and dry, right? We talked about that too, Greg. It's like, I'm not saying that all this is the answer to everything. Like everybody has this particular person or or program or whatever that is just very unique. And it's, those are things you're gonna have to mold with, right. And, and, and leverage um, your, your own experiences and, and whatever, but um, yeah, that, I'm, that's, that's, that's where I'm at. All right, good. So uh, for anybody that saw the poll, one of Brian's responses when uh, Jim posted this and want us to do further inquiry and get this subject going was, you know, he said, Jim, turn things into transactions. So everything you've just been saying, Brian, is really what's behind the transactional nature. Don't think of those transactions as one and done. Think of those transactions, at least the way I kind of envision it, in that we, no matter which side, we're all on all different sides of these things. When we understand why, and there's something in it for us that's in it for you, and that's in it for them, and in it for outcomes, everybody's in that that better position to really win every time they accomplish something. And you don't have to stop and pat yourself on the back, but Doers want to get shit done and people at the top don't want to micromanage. They want to empower those people to get more and more done in the best possible way. So I think that's great. I'm going to go to a next uh, question that we got. And this was from Spencer Pope. He brought up a point. Talk about how to champion internal support from upper management and helping those make their case in organizations that see maintenance as just a cost center. This is a big theme in 2023. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, because everybody is looking to go lean, right? Um, the, the constraints of the world, whether it's supply chain, cost of raw materials, fuel, what, whatever it is, right? Everybody wants to go, go lean. Um, and making a justification to spend a couple grand or a hundred thousand, a couple hundred thousand grand or a hundred thousand dollars, um, to implement a system to your organization, your individual facility, you know, your department, wh- whatever it is, right, is, is a cost that someone's going to have to, or an expenditure someone's going to have to sign off on. Um, and I think that the the business uh, exa- or the business like driver for that is really unique to each individual business. You know, I don't know con- budget constraints and things like that, right? But um, I would say this: if you have a rough 
idea of what your manpower, you know what your technicians are paid, you know what your planners paid, you know what your supervisors are paid. If you have a rough idea of what they're paid and you can deduce that to an hourly wage, and then you can talk about how much stagnant time from a very fundamental standpoint, how much stagnant time there is in the day and how much downtime that you have, you can come up with a number to say, this is in theory what we are losing or wasting our manpower slash money on, right? Um, so at the very least, you can know something. You don't have to have the CMMS to say, hey, it costs $46 per man hour for this facility, okay? And it costs one product out the door is $120 per hour. So I do the math. I have five hours of downtime times $120 times the amount of labor that's now standing by times the, you know, so you can make these basic correlations and put it into a transaction, a feasible transaction of, of dollars to say, hey, look, if this adds up, great. If it doesn't, you can say, hey, look, this is how much money is avoided. I'm not going to say saved, is avoided by implementing this amount of money in this system. Right. Just from the very foundation, just talking dollars, you don't even have to say maintenance fancy stuff. You just have to say dollars and cents. If you know your manpower, you know the cost of downtime roughly. If you don't know it, just figure out what your product out the door is, right? And maybe add some a little bit to it for the labor involved. Um, and then you just make this simple equation or, or you know math problem to say, hey, this is how much money we're potentially losing or not accounting for. This is how much the system costs. This could be the return if, if things go the way we want them to go. And just keep it stupid simple, you know? Uh, especially in the very beginning stages. I, I think Spencer did message me and say that there's some really unique things about that particular question that he's asking. Um, so I don't want to get into that, but th that's where I would go. And, and also believe this, that if the business or the senior leadership is saying things like, you don't need it, uh, it's, you'll never get it to, a, you'll never get anybody to do it. You'll never get anybody to use it. It's just, it's just going to be a, a, an expenditure month to month or, or you might want to start thinking about the organization in which you work in. That's my, that would be what I think about this question. And that's a valid consideration that everybody has to make. I mean, for me, I've, I've dealt with this general concept for a number of years. We all have, right? Everybody, people listening have, it doesn't matter um, at some point you've encountered this where something's looked at as a cost, as opposed to, for me, it was always about how do I invest in my organization? So I try to put myself in the exact shoes of my client, my champion, and then I try to envision, you know, what is their organizational style? What do they consider important, not important? How do I point something out that they're missing? So with this idea of how to, you know, kind of champion internal support with, upper management, the executive team, the C-suite, they look at things in terms of numbers, mm -hmm. top line, bottom line revenue, and they're moving fast. They're accountable to other people that aren't even part of day-to-day -day business operations. So you have to actually, it, you, you can't walk in there and think that you're going to have a 20-minute meeting and get your approvals. Yeah. You're going to have to build that support and tying this whole thing, switching back to the other part of what uh, Spencer Pope was talking about is when, when we're trying to kind of move away from the cost center aspect of investing in a CMMS or anything else, there's a bigger picture. And I believe that there's always a way to tie it to revenue generation, sure. but 
that takes some time and some analysis. And that's the part that kind of gets in the way. And one last thing, you've talked about how when these decisions are being made and internal assessments are being made as to what we're about to do, whether you're getting a CMMS solution or tweaking your existing platform, bringing in a consultant to really improve how you're doing preventive maintenance and all these great, great, great things, they really are. That that's that's where you're going to start to build that momentum sure. and really kind of paint that picture. Whether you can get sure. them to look at it and think about it, that's another challenge in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're talking, we're, like you said, we're talking about money here. And what I, my, my example was to the latter of his question, which was like, how do you get buy-in if you have nothing to, 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 to approve the expenditure for a CMMS is like, take what you already know, quantify it in dollars. Cause if you go in there and go, Oh, the, the best practices in the world are 10% of blah, blah, blah. You start talking maintenance and reliability and they're going to be like, what, no, how much does it cost? <laughs> and, and what do you believe is going to be the outcome in dollars? Right. So that, that's what I meant by that. But the, the first part of his question which was about like, um, what, what it was about like adoption. champion champ championing internal support. Yeah. Yeah. So from upper management, right. Championing is, is once I'm assuming that question is assuming you already have it now, or you're still trying to get it. Well, I don't, I, I think it's a, it's a, it's, it's one in the same. It's just a question of where are you starting? No system. Now we want to get a system. Right. Okay. So the, the champion internal support is literally, I would, I would leverage all the resources that, you know, operations, safety, quality, all, and bring these people in and go, Hey, we clearly have a problem. How do we get our arms around the problem? Well, to get your arms around the problem, you have to one recognize we have a problem. We're all in this room together. We've all recognized that there's a problem, right? It's like, Hey, I have a problem. That's the first step to recovery, right? Get everything in there. Everybody in there. We all recognize we have a problem. Quality. What's your problem? Safety. What's your problem? Maintenance, what's your problem? Operations, what's your problem? Get all your problems out. Now you have, you're building buy-in, you're building trust, you're garnering, you're building a team of people who are rallied behind the same thing at a lower level, right? And then you go, wouldn't it be great if we could track all this stuff at its very most basic function? Do you believe it would be great that when you see a problem, you can go request. Now problem is tracked from request to completion, whether it's, it's, technical or not, right? You're building data, you're centralizing the data, and then you're going to allow it to further build the the case and the adoption so that you can start to go up to senior management and go, hey, just so you know, me, ops, safety, and quality had a meeting and we all agree that at the basic form, we should have some form of work management process, whether it's CMMS or something. And uh, we, we all believe as a group that it could benefit us in the long run. Again, taking the maintenance specific fancy wording out of it, you're just getting people together, a movement to then uh, get get something from it, right? Yeah. At its yeah. simplest form. For sure. For sure. So now with these topics, you know, anybody listening or watching, obviously these are big topics. They're ongoing. We're not going to have a single answer. There's not necessarily a, a magic bullet things, you know, kind of ebb and flow or however you want to describe that. So we'll explore these in future episodes, but I want to get to the poll itself and kind of quickly knock down those three things. So the first one I want to talk about is the one that got the most votes. And it's not like we had a million people voting, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but fixing CMMS failure to launch got 40% of the votes. And I wasn't surprised because I think you and I have talked about it. I've talked with other people about it. We've got this concept at CMMS radio about the fact that 
CMMS horror stories exist. One of those horror stories is all around, we've got a CMMS and it's either sitting on a shelf collecting dust, <laughs> it's not being used in a super effective way, people might not like it, and then it just kind of goes on. We get a couple of work orders here, we get a couple of work orders there. Well, whoever voted here is going, yeah, that's a failure to launch. We're not really doing what we set out to do and might not even be solving the problem that drove us to initially get a CMMS platform anyway. So for me, I've got some general ideas on how somebody could attack that and kind of where they would start, but much more interested in what you have to say. <laughs> so I think the first thing that I, that I think about when we talk about fire to launch, which I've been a part of. Okay. And what I've always done is I try to revisit why I or we or the business wanted a CMMS to begin with. What was that initial conversation or 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 uh, information that was gathered? Or I'm having a hard time choosing my words here, but like the stuff that you all agreed upon because of why because why you wanted a CMMS. What was it? Revisit it. Are you even close to what you wanted? Are you even doing anything that you set out to do from the very beginning? So my recommendation is I always try to go back to that first conversation, which is like, hey, maintenance manager. Oh, you were the one that made the recommendation to get a CMMS? Awesome. You're having some problems? No problem. A lot of people are having problems. Let's go back to why you wanted to see. What was your vision for your CMMS in the very beginning? And what were, at that time, what were your thoughts and ideas to help get this to where it wanted to, where you wanted it to be? So I'm like talking about like starting in the beginning, going from, from where you are now back to the beginning. And it kind of, what it does is it kind of, it reignites in, in a sense, the, the thought process of the person or the organization is like, whoa, why, why? Yeah. You're, I forgot. Now we're, we're tied up in, we don't even use the thing. And we're talking about adding sensors to it, or we're talking about how we need to start pulling reports out of it. It's like, well, let's go back to why we wanted it. And then when you make sure, when you go back to the reason why you wanted it, then you need to systematically address if all of the appropriate basic data has even put in the thing. Because yes. most of the time it doesn't, it's not. You get a CMMS platform. I think I said it last time, you get a CMMS platform, you don't just automatically know how to do maintenance. Right. You don't just, everything's just not in there. When I, when I, when I buy some brand CMMS, all my assets and data doesn't just come loaded in the thing, right? You have to do it. And you should be doing it in somewhat of a structured way, right? You know, with hierarchy and criticality and, you know, all, all these things. So I would go go back, reignite the conversation as to why we wanted it. Second is, are we verifying that we even have the appropriate things in it to where we can then further use it and utilize it? Because utilization, in a sense, builds adoption. The more you fool with something, even if it's crudely the more likely you are to go, oh my God, I figured this thing out. Okay, I can try to do this. And now you're building adoption, right? And then you can start to show, it's like, it's like, just show people like, hey, I, I was using the CMS and I realized that I could make an automated workflow. So now Billy doesn't have to assign work orders after they've been closed or, or created. It's going to do it on its own. And then the Billy goes, well, that's awesome for me. What else can that thing do? So let's start playing with it. But ultimately you have to revisit the why, the right? The why factor. And then you have to make sure that the very, very core of information is in it. And then you go from there. That's in my opinion, failure to launch is generally from, and I talked about this last time, lack of competence, 
on whoever wanted it, right? Um, or the framework for how to make it, build it out to start wasn't carried out the way that it should have been carried out. Um, right. To keep it without going like on, off the deep end with all the, the scenarios. Those are the of two course. things. Yeah, those are the two things that I would, I would, I would say. And I, I'm curious to hear, hear yours, Greg, or at least one. Well, so for, for me, I think there's a really common approach. So I'll, I'll adopt that position of maybe consultant or maybe I'm repping a certain product, whatever. I've done that before, and I'm talking to somebody, and they're in this exact situation. We've got such and such CMMS, and we're not benefiting from it. And, you know, I certainly want to understand why. I want to understand why, but my real goal initially, if I just want to be a good consultant is I want to say, let's understand what we have and within what we have, where are the gaps that you weren't able to see that I might be able to see that we can fix or where are the problems and are those problems that we can live with and benefit from this? Because if you're stuck with a platform and I, I like to use the word stuck because that's the reality. We're people. Okay. We're, we're stuck with something. Well, you have to make the best of it. And then there's this idea organizationally or within those teams that, well, if we want to get away from this thing anyway, why would we do that? And it's like, that's important. That's something you got to draw out in discovery because now you know, what the problem is. And then, you know, there's a secondary problem that they'd much rather not even be in this situation, but the best way to solve it is say, what do I have? How do I fix it? I'll go in, look at a system and find out that they've got a bunch of garbage preventive maintenance and they're not naming assets in the proper way. And it's because nobody helped them when they were launching. And then somebody changed on their team and somebody changed at their vendor that can all be fixed. I, I, I do believe that the first solution is not to just move away from what you have. The first thing to do is do this comprehensive assessment, go back to the why, as you said, but really go in with the intent of how can I make the best of what I have to drive some initial value and buy-in because that is actually what will set you up for future success when you do change because you need to involve your team to inform you through their behaviors or their dialogues as to what they're not liking about how we're doing it now. That is what we're really trying to get to, but you can't go in first date and try to get to that point, right? You gotta, you gotta work on it. And I this have, time constraint is where organizations can benefit from consultants, listening to podcasts with people right. that are really actually trying to help and not sell anything. Right. And I, it's funny that you said that I actually have a note under, I just, like I said, I was writing some things down. I have a note under that, which was, um, of course, verify the bottlenecks, right? And then the next thing is talk to the people who are using the dang thing, talk to them, get feedback, and then actually do something about it. Yep. Because it's easy for people, for you to uncover problems. Like you said, we're not trying to fix every problem, right? But it's easy for you to uncover problems and go, Eh, that may be a real problem. You have to, sometimes you have to go down the rabbit hole to see, okay, is this something that I can live with? Like you said, or is this something that I can mold or get rid of or, or change? Um, but yeah. And, and speaking from experience, I've very recently been involved in where I'm like wrong CMMS for business, wrong one, not the right one. 
and I fought and I made the gap analysis and sh showed what, what didn't matter. The money had been spent, right? So then I do what I always do. I go, okay. And then I become a very competent in what I have. And then I make it happen. That's right. That's <laughs> right. That not, it's not CMMS related, but this happened to me years ago with a CRM. And I was like, I don't like this CRM. And the response was, well, that's what we have. So figure out a way. And I said, okay, I got, I got, I got full uh, creative authority over how I'm going to use it. As long as I get you the details documents that you need to see track and manage what's actually happening in our, you know, CRM world. Yep. Go and do it. So I did. So th this is, this is the potential of actually looking at what you got. So we're going to go to the next question. And the, the one I'm going to put in number two is improving CMMS user adoption. I think we actually handled some of this already. Yep. And so first I'm going to have you take a crack at that, Brian, sure. and then, then I'll respond. Sure. So I alluded to it a little bit earlier with adoption is adoption, in my opinion, comes from utilization. And you may say, oh, that seems counterintuitive. How, how are you, how are you uh, getting adoption if no one's using the thing, right? But and the reality is, is there's likely somebody using it or at least trying to do something within it, right? And that's normally because someone has paid for it and has said, hey, you're in charge of this thing, planner or supervisor, uh, create PMs or do whatever you do in this thing. So there is some... There is some interaction with the system. Um, so utilization, like I said, I think is, is, is a good driver of adoption. But taking what little utilization you do have and correlating it to outside of the maintenance department is going to further help adoption. Be and the reason I say that is because if you're tracking something really, really minor, maybe just... Uh, open work orders compared to closed work orders in a week. And maybe the production sees a slight uptick in capacity or availability, because at least you have a very minor thing where you're going, hey, I've put these work orders out, they're being completed, and I'm capturing that data. It's likely someone is going to recognize that, oh my God, we, we met production for the day, or hey, we, we didn't have a backlog this week. What could correlate? And you can go, Hey, I've, I've been putting out very basic preventive maintenance PMs and I'm getting them. And here's my metric. It's just open work orders versus closed work orders. And this is the number. And maybe these are the assets. And then you've, you've now gone into with another person outside your department and you're going, oh my God, look, that asset is this PM and it made sense. And oh my God, we saw some more there. Um, so there's a common theme thread here. And it's my, my common thread is like, bring people in, bring people in to the process. And don't always just make it maintenance people because it's easy to do that, right? Bring other people in. I have ops leaders and VPs come to me all the time who are like, hey, I, I saw a report that was sent to, from you to somebody else. And I, hey, can you, can you do this? That's building adoption. That's showing that not just me within the maintenance department is using all this crap to, to, to do things. It's, hey, I want to know what's the cost correlation between this service and this downtime. It's like, okay, here you go, person. And then he's like, oh my God, that works. When we get to this other facility that we build, we want to make sure that we have that KPI on their dashboard or whatever, right? So you're bringing people into the process to build adoption for maintenance. I'm not saying that all these other departments are going to be intimately involved in your CMMS. I'm saying that you're leveraging the commonality and the 
um, the mutual sustained value and business impact to then further drive, hey, we should be paying attention to this. We should be using this. We should be doing these things. I always go back to people, uh, Greg. I always try to get, get people you know, with you. That's really, and it's really what it's going to come down to because you are not going to get rid of the human element. You're not going to get rid of the need for intentionality behind what people do. You are not going to get rid of this always coming back to why. So if I've got a CMMS at my organization and I say, hey, everybody, we got this great CMMS. We made this decision and here you go. I might be saying why now it's something I have to learn because I wasn't included. But if I'm in that situation and I want to improve user adoption for me, it's always who's using it. So we've got our requesters and people that are inputting data and they're not turning a single wrench. Well, teach them. Well, how is our vendor going to teach them? They're going to charge us so much on support. Well, design yourself a really nice train the trainer philosophy with materials and create an internal resource that can provide that support for those internal players. They got to do like three, four, five clicks. Boom, done. Nothing to it, right? Do a couple of other things. You want to improve user adoption? This is kind of slick. Maybe some people think it's shitty. Someone comes up to you in the hall. You're one of the wrench turners. Hey, can you do this? Yes, but can you do me a favor? I need you to put it in the system because I'm not, I, I can't take verbals anymore. And it, it feels like, you know, wrong at first, but that's what we're trying to do. Little things. So, empower people even if you're giving them a pile of junk piece of software that does a couple of good things i can make that fly anywhere i feel i i would say anybody that wants to reach out to me if you're jammed up on user adoption if you're jammed up on a failure to launch just let me know about it i'll see if i can take a shot at it worst case scenario you're going to learn that i can't and you're going to figure out another place to look for those gaps i mean that's that's really what it is <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny it's funny you say that because um we have a at, at this current organization and, and others, um, we always have this standing order, which is if I'm working on something and I don't have a work order, I need to be asking myself why I don't have a work order. And I, and I always say to like when technicians, when I'm doing like uh, work order charges and I'm looking at, you know, I don't want to say definitive wrench time, but when I'm looking at work order charge times versus, you know, uh, downtime and searching for parts and, you know, all those things. I'll go to a technician and I'll go, Hey, uh, I noticed your time charge was jacked up or whatever. They go, well, the, the, the supervisor, when I arrived at the machine, the supervisor told me just to, to jump right into it. And I go, next time you tell that supervisor to come talk to me because you need to arrive at a machine, open a work order, start your job. When you're complete, you close the work order and then you move on. That is at its very core, that is what happens. And I don't want anybody derailing that. Work order right. or nothing. Work order or nothing. Yeah, and that, that I would add to that, that's not to take away autonomy or anything else no. like that. It's actually the opposite. It creates a lot of empowerment because you create this structure, at least with a framework, that has some internal variability so you can make some executive decisions. I mean, we're human beings, sure. but you know what you're supposed to be doing next. So now I'm going to go to the, first question in the poll and this way we we kind of can explore these a little bit further later but let's knock this one down pretty quickly and it was i was just spitballing cmms keep it simple or go big so let me define a little bit more about what i meant by that do i keep it simple and do i just start i need to get a system because we don't have one or 
do I go to the nth degree and try to imagine all the future states and subsequent future states so I can grow into something with the intention over the next three years, we're going to get super complex. And I know part of the response you would have is going to address the, it depends. Of course, there's the first thing I wrote down. <laughs> <laughs> That's some pretty good guesswork. <laughs> Uh, first thing depends on the business drivers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that, yeah. that it's, it's for me, if you don't have a system and you've got a problem and you've got a system that's going to work to solve that problem, I do think it's okay to start, proceed, keep it simple and use that as the opportunity to become more complex as your maintenance maturity improves. That was my next thing was what's maintenance maturity. <laughs> I, everyone, I promise we, we didn't talk until we got on the session today. This is, I have this one is, more thing. Let's see if you can guess it. <laughs> uh, well, what I would say is be really careful with going big because that's one of the areas where people make mistakes, such as spending way too much money and going completely overkill because the people they were working with presented things in a certain way that tapped into your emotions. And you got to take that out of there when it's a business decision. It's okay to be excited and warm and fuzzy, but I would say be really careful if you're going to go big because sometimes going big is the absolute wrong thing to do. Right. And you know, what's, what's crazy is what we think about, we think about CMMS companies, um, we talk about going big or, or keeping it simple or going big, a CMMS CMMS companies are smart, right? They literally give you the option to keep it simple or go big, which is why you have free versions, business versions, enterprise versions, all these different versions, right? So I would say that it's super smart and all of them are doing it. But one of the I was going to say is, is scale and the vision, right? I know you don't always know those answers in the beginning um, and that's okay. But if you are getting yourself locked in with a system, make sure that they do have a program progression. Yes. So, so, so make sure that you're aligning yourself with something so that you, if you, if you don't need it, you have the opportunity. So like if I'm with CMMS X and I just need to get work orders, I just need to know where my time and money is going or whatever. Right. But we may in two years from now move into connecting an ERP or some sort of uh, machine learning or business intelligence or something like that. I want to know that the system I've committed to can scale with me, right? We talk about scale. I want to make sure it can scale with me and my vision. But fortunately, most companies are giving you the option, basic, mediocre, enterprise, and maybe there's some magical thing above that. Um, but that would, that's, I just want you, everything you said was, was, was perfect. And, and I just wanted to add that, like they're literally, just pay attention to the companies you're dealing with because they'll give you the option and you can start small and then get big. Yes. And then uh, one, one last thing that I'm going to put with that, because that's all really good, not only advice, but insight as it relates to the companies having these options. But when you've got a company that comes in and wants to wipe out some of the existing technology because they've got a solution for that, be very careful ask really, really hard questions because there are a lot of ways to accomplish not making certain changes, but also creating the improvements that you need with more than one solution. It's, it might sound messy, but it's not if it's done right. 
It's only right. messy if it's done wrong. Right. So be very careful of that because obviously I can solve these other two problems. And then you start thinking, wow, we can get rid of that. And that's going to, that's going to save us $22,000 a year over here. And that, that might not save you anything that might hurt you. And you might never, ever, ever solve that problem as well as you already had solved it. So be very right. careful with that. Right. And, and I also, think, go ahead. Sorry, Greg, go ahead. Oh, you go, you go. I was going to say also to add to that is I've heard people say that when people salesmen, whoever they're coming in and they're, they're wanting to, to impress upon the, the changes that you're talking about, be very weary of people who promise things um, and, and, and say, and use keywords. I call them buzzwords, which are words like predict savings, uh, all these words that when I hear, when I talk to people and I hear these words, I'm going, Hmm, is he sure about that? Because there's a lot that goes into those two words, savings and prediction, right? Uh, I'm not saying you can't. I mean, I am saying you can't predict, but I am, I'm not saying you can't save, save things. But the sales tactics in the recent years are, we can put sensors on every single machine you have. You'll never have downtime. We'll predict all your failures. You'll save a billion dollars a year. Yeah. Just, just sign on with us. And I get literally on LinkedIn, I get like 500 of those a day. Yeah, And it is reading some, I, sometimes I read them because I'm like very interested to see what they, what they're saying. And some of them are legit where they're like, Hey, we have this, this technology, it pairs with A, B, C, and D. You have the potential to, to realize A, B, C, and D. And others are just straight out crazy. So I agree with you. Be very, very, very weary before you start ditching known repeatable things within your system for something that is promising something else. Yeah. And if you, if you get, if you get in a situation like that, you know, a jam, if you want to call it that, where you're not quite sure what to know or understand, try to reach out to somebody that, you know, or somebody that knows somebody that'll, that'll, that'll spend 20 minutes with you and say, Hey, look out for these three things or those three things. Most people that want to help you out in that way, they're not going to charge you for it. They're just going to spend 10, 15, 20 minutes on the phone with you and just help you out. You got a couple of guys here that are willing to do that kind of a thing. And there's a bunch of them out there. So, um, you do not have to jump right now. The ship is not passing you by. Ask the questions, reach out for the help. And, uh, you know, Brian, this was great. We're going to keep doing this on somewhat of a regular cadence, depending on how the schedules line up. But I really appreciate you being here today. I'll uh, refer anyone to, you know, get in touch with you via the email that you shared on the previous episode. I'll put that up. Uh, but any, any closing thoughts for you? No, I, I think it's wonderful. And and like like we've been saying, we've been talking, Greg and I have been talking a lot. We've been thinking about a lot of different ways to approach. And and to, just to be honest, we we really like the, the, just the raw, like we're not planning these, we're not pulling up crazy pictures and graphs and, and like just the raw two sides of, I come from getting out there and, 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 and doing it this way or this experience. And Greg has his doing it this way and his experience and just blending the two for an opportunity for someone to grab something out of it and go, Hey, that might work. I'm going to give that a shot. It might work. We're not here. Like we talked about just before this, we're not here to sell you anything. We're not right. here to say we have these answers. It's just ideas and experience and, 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 and we're wrong a lot, but we are right sometimes. And you could be wrong a lot and right a lot too. We want to help you be right and wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's, uh, and that's, uh, it's great. And I think we're going to, 
we're going to close on that note, but it's, uh, it's something we'll keep going, everybody. If you have some feedback on this episode, previous episodes, you got a topic, anything like that, you don't have to wait until I put a poll up on CMMS Radio on LinkedIn or anything like that. Just reach out, hit, uh, hit the website. I've got a What's On Your Mind link at cmmsradio.com. And everyone, thanks for listening. And Brian, thanks again for the time today. Thank you, Greg. You got it. It's my pleasure. Did you find this episode helpful? Please send us some feedback, suggest a topic, or ask a question. Reach out to CMMS Radio if you need a co-pilot on your CMMS project. Visit cmmsradio.com and use the What's On Your Mind link. Thank you for tuning in to CMMS Radio, your resource for all things CMMS from selection to implementation to help you make better choices, learn from industry experts, and have a successful CMMS journey.